You're listening to Podcasting Paradigms with Dave Truss, and my guest today is Dave Sands. Dave and I go right back to the start of my career. We were at a middle school. We both got there the same year, although he was an expert teacher, and I was privileged enough to have him as my first mentor for a student leadership uh, course that he and I taught together at the same time one day and then the next I actually got to teach it on my own so it was fantastic to have him in that experience. Uh, I know that before his current position he also did a couple of years, uh, two or three years as faculty advisor for a teacher education program at SFU and from there into your current position welcome Dave. Thanks Dave. Yeah nice to, nice to be uh, chatting with you today. Yeah, and actually, I think we're going to do some regular chat, so I'm looking forward to that. There's certainly a lot of different areas that we can chat about. Tell us a little bit about your current position with Coquitlam. So my present position is the uh, Principal of Technology Implementation with School District 43. I, I work at a, a district level with the, um, uh, the Chief Information Officer, Stephen Whiffin, uh, and uh, he's also the Director of Instruction, and we work... Um, mainly, my main role is, is the implementation of technolo technological tools, both educationally and organizationally, uh, throughout the school district, and supporting all of the employees within on various platforms that we support. Um, my main focus is around educational technology, so mainly the technology tools that teachers are using in classrooms uh, to support, extend, uh, and and uh, learning, but as well um, in specific areas around STEM and STEAM-related activities as well. Uh, it's really quite rewarding, and in this time right now, it's uh, it's it's really incredible because uh, we're seeing so much uh, shift shifting in people's pedagogical practice uh, as they become more and more comfortable with these tools. So um, it's. Uh, Although it's a challenging time in the world right now, I, I'm seeing really a lot of rewards in, in my position uh, in that we're supporting a lot of educators as they move forward uh, using educational technology tools within their virtual classrooms. And we can talk a lot about pedagogy, we can talk about student leadership, but today we're actually going to talk about um, learning at home and learning from a distance and the challenges specifically for parents. Um, I've had the opportunity to be involved with uh, both as someone that participated in and someone that participated with you uh, when you've done parent presentations around technology for, um, well, I think I, the first time I was involved with you was 2007. So you've been, you've been talking to parents a lot about using technology for well over 13 years now. Yeah, that's correct. It, I mean, it seems crazy, isn't it? I, I think I finished my master's degree in uh, curriculum and technology at SFU in 2004. And uh, we, were, we've, we were sort of almost, um, at that time, I think we were speaking idealistically, but also um, optimistically around the use of technology and supporting student learning. And we were almost thinking we were, I don't know, three to five years away. And here we are 16 years later, and we're just seeing that huge shift right now. Um, it's not to say a lot of people haven't been making the shift along the way, but the, the, the wave is finally here and crashing to the shore for sure. 
Yes. And so we're in a situation where um, schools are open in the sense that teachers are still teaching, but they are close to students coming to be involved because of COVID-19. And so around the world, parents are faced with students being their their children being at home and doing their learning at home so what we thought we'd do today is give um seven tips to parents around how to manage that experience and maximize the learning opportunities for kids and so to get us started the first the first tip is how do you manage expectations mm -hmm. so this is new to almost everyone and uh, as you alluded to with the parent presentations, uh, as I, I did parent presentations over the last 15 years, you know, it was very evident that, that parents found technology uh, and especially social media extremely difficult to manage, uh, to monitor, and to keep their kids safe. And there was a lot of fear, and there was a lot of challenges with that. And now, like I said, that that has come full circle can come here um, whether we wanted it or not and now all of our students have to engage with their teachers in some way online even if it's with simple tools i think one of the biggest pieces for parents that and educators is to to manage our expectations around the use of technology uh, in support of our students uh, continuity of learning uh, it, it's it's never going to be what a face-to-face -face classroom is and was. And so if we are thinking that the technology is just going to uh, support that, then, then our expectations are a little broad. And we need to understand that it's not necessarily going to be the same and that we need to look at, look at it from a different perspective. How, how are we going to achieve some of the things that we would like to do but in different ways. How are we going to use the tools that are uh, we have available to us? Uh, what maturational level of our students can manage? Which tools? These are the type of things that we have to consider within our expectations uh, around uh, just simply transposing this learning from face-to-face -to, -face to uh, digital platforms. And that's, you know, a lot of what you described there is, is so true and it's, it's what we're dealing with as educators. As a parent thinking about it, what, is, what, is a parent, what should a parent's expectations be? So I think, you know, it's really important and I think in most cases, uh, teachers have been reaching out to parents and, and that, that's the first key thing. I think uh, just a contact and communication with the teacher but to understand that it may be that the teacher is going to put together some resources, uh, connect with the parents, connect with the child, and then sort of let some of that, that learning happen a bit more organically. Um, yes, it puts a little bit more pressure on the parent, as you'll see in some of the other tips that we have uh, today. But, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, it's okay it's not going to be five hours of instructional time for a day with, with this type of learning. So to understand that maybe, and this is for educators too, and that we don't pack or feel the need from our expectations to pack that much information or activity for the students into a, a daily plan. But for parents, just getting back to that, you know, it might mean email communication. 
It might mean asking parents to, uh, you know, come on or uh, log into a specific platform and to be patient with that, to ask questions of the teacher, to, to reach out for support. It's okay. We're all new to a lot of this. And just to be patient with each other and support each other in that process. Yeah, I think a, a great example of that is um, when a student might struggle and not understand what they're supposed to do. And so that can become an, a major battle where now the, the parent's trying to help, they don't know how to help either. And so it becomes a conflict between the parent and the, and the, and the, stu and the child, where a simple saying, hold on, we both don't understand this, let's connect by video, connect by email, let's ask your teacher and come back to this. And something as simple as that can reduce that tension that, that is caused, um, that's unnecessary, but it's a new environment where both parent and child might be stuck. So the, the next tip is uh, making a schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's really important. I think most of us work really well like that. And as well, if you look at children, children love routines. Um, this is what we do at school. Uh, they start school at the same time every day. They have recess or nutrition break at the same time every day. They have lunch at the same time every day. Teachers do a lot of work in creating routines, especially for younger children. And a lot of that is focused on uh, the students now understanding the expectations so they can, you know, self-regulate and understand what's coming, what's past, what, what do they need to prepare for energetically throughout the day, and, and obviously mentally, emotionally as well. So it's, it's really important that, they, that you uh, um, help, if they're young, help them set that routine. Um, and if they're older, um, almost in the first couple weeks, which we've already gone through here, but um, as we move forward, is to sit down with them and almost uh, engage with them in a conversation for a, you know, an adolescent or a teenager of, okay, what is your schedule going to look like over today or over the week and co-create that with them. A lot of them don't see the need for it, of course, and they don't even realize that that's what they've been doing every single day as they go to school. But I think as adults and parents, I think we need to uh, just be patient and calm with them around that, but almost empower them to create these schedules. And then with, the, with younger ones, you know, probably for the most part, set most of that routine for them uh, and give them some flexibility, obviously give them some say as well in some flexible times, but um, a routine is, is really, really key. And, you know, thinking about that routine, uh, one of the very simple ways to help start that is something as simple as the, you know, when you get up, you make your bed, or when you get up, you get out of your, your morning pajamas. You know, something where um, it's not just I'm dragging the morning on like it's a Saturday morning, uh, but actually doing something that says, okay, I'm starting my day, or later on, I'm starting my work day. Um, as far as what school looks like. So it can be something as simple as creating those, those um, uh, habits of this was relaxed and now this is school, which school automatically does by having to go to it that's no longer there. And that leads really nicely into our, our next uh, point, which is to minimize distractions. Yeah, I'm just going to finish off that last one. Though, we'll, yes. we'll, still, we'll still lead in though as well. And, and when when we talk about routines, this isn't, you know, I, I would really caution people not to simply make routines just based on that academic or school work time. 
you know, sort of build in the whole routine of the day. So you have your learning time, but you may have time for physical activity. You have time scheduled in there for meals. You've got uh, time scheduled in there for maybe some daily chores, breaks, and entertainment and social time. And, social um, time. and, and I think, like, I, I'm, I'm a checklist kind of guy. So when I put that down on a checklist, and I finish off that piece, you know, it's, and I think some people would agree with me when you check that off or cross that piece off, it's like, all right, I, I finished something in my day. So as you mentioned about making the bed every day, you know, that accomplishing that task, you've already accomplished something and it almost fuels you for that next stage coming. So, all right, I've got an incentive. I, I finish off this 45 minutes of, of learning time, check, and now I'm going to go to some social time right here. And it, I think I think it really uh, psychologically fills us and uh, it makes us feel uh, complete. So leading into that second uh, sec, or sorry, it was the third tip, which was minimizing distractions. So during those periods where you scheduled as learning time, is really setting a space aside uh, as best you can. Uh, we understand that not everyone has the same context in their home and size of homes and spaces and such and numbers of siblings and family members, but setting aside uh, a place that has minimum distractions. Uh, maybe it might be a bit quieter, uh, maybe a little more private, uh, making sure it's comfortable. Uh, you know, probably not in the same room that the video game system's in. Uh, it's, just, it's just too tempting. Um, and, you know, we understand that with, with, um, with children. They're, they're really tempted by, by uh, external uh, pieces. That's why in our classrooms, we try to stimulate students in our classroom uh, with learning materials posted all around the, the classroom and minimal distractions so that the students are able to focus on what they're doing. But I think when you set aside a contextual place that's designated for learning, um, then we move to that place. And, and this will be different for different learners, right? It doesn't need to be completely quiet. It doesn't need to be completely bright or uh, lighted in a dim, dim way or anything like that. It just needs to be a place that works for that particular learner and is uh, focused in some capacity. So true. And one of the things I like to talk about combining the making a schedule and minimizing distractions is how different that can be for different students and different both age-wise and sort of discipline-wise in the sense that um, you, you may want to be much more structured for a younger kid who, uh, for example, uh, someone who just got their first phone, if they're trying to work and they have their phone with them and that thing's buzzing, they will not be, you know, and even some of the older kids. Um, that may be something where you say, yeah, during this 45 minute time, you'll have social time later, but during this 45 minute time, you're charging your phone over here in the kitchen where it, you know, uh, it's not a distraction. And so that can be related to age and also can be, you know, if, if, if before this um, learning at home happened, you had a kid who you never had to check their homework. They always got things done on time and they want to set up their their learning space and in, in, a, in a way that you think has distractions, but they've always been able to manage that, then they probably deserve more freedom than the kid who you had to chase, who handed things in late and who um, can't help but be distracted by their phone buzzing 20, 30 times um, in, 
in 10 minutes, which uh, becomes uh, that learning time no longer is a 45 minute learning time. It's, it's 10 minutes of learning with 35 minutes of distraction. And so you have that wide variety where um, some kids will demand more structure, uh, more minimizing of the of a schedule, more minimizing of the distractions. And some kids deserve, deserve the freedom and autonomy because they've earned it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good point about the phone. Uh, this is something that, that, uh, has probably gone without attention for quite a long time in most family homes. And that is, uh, the students or, you know, the understanding or the belief that, they, that students, uh, teenagers can multitask to, to the nth degree. Well, really there's no such thing as multitasking. Mm -hmm. It's task switching. And, and so those distractions are, uh, can be very, very problematic. Although we've never, for a lot of us, we've never really had the conversation. And so this might be a good time to have that conversation. And when I say conversation, I don't mean lecture. I don't mean saying this is the way it's going to be. I mean, asking the question with your child and engaging in that conversation around how much do you think you focus when you have your, when you have your phone right beside you as you're doing some work. And I think it's really important to, to understand that, um, that, that you need to empower your teenager in having that conversation. So they're thinking about their thinking and around their habits. Excellent. Uh, our next tip, learning occurs everywhere. Yeah, this is really important. I, I think especially for younger uh, children as well. I think parents, again, back to that managing expectations, I think we understand education as it was delivered to us. And so, you know, we're, we're wanting worksheets or we're wanting uh, specific learning um, activities that, that, that our, our children can do or that we can, you know, um, engage them in. Um, I think it's really important to see that, that learning, um, occurs everywhere in all kinds of activities within our home and within our lives. And I, I think a lot of adults have started to see this, um, people whose washing machine broke down. And then they say, well, I don't know if I want to pay $500 to have it fixed, or I'm going to look, I'm going to look on YouTube and see if there's an instructional video. Well, you just engaged in a learning process and taught yourself something. And I think with the access to resources that we have nowadays, like learning can occur just in time like that in so many different ways. It also occurs in everyday activities like things like baking um, or putting together a piece of furniture. Um, seeing that, looking at some of these activities and going, wait a minute, that's, they're, they're working with numbers there. They're, they're doing, they're, there's some numeracy involved in that. And look, well, they're reading instructions. They're reading the rules on how to play this game. They're, they're then going online when they have a description. Well, is this, this, is this correct? And can we do this or can we do that? And so it's, I think, making sure that we don't hold uh, our understanding of what learning looks like uh, to uh, learning today, uh, not simply you know, facilitated by digital means, but also in classrooms because we do try and, and manage integrated activities within our schools. And in fact, your school is based on that. Yes. Uh, Inquiry-based projects and, and uh, looking at learning as holistically 
And so I think it's really important uh, as we have our children at home of seeing the value of these other activities and all the learning that is taking place sort of organically uh, with them. Yeah, and the piece I'd like to say there is, is to, to pay attention actually to um, where kids are curious and allow them to follow that curiosity. And so what may seem like a distraction may actually be something that becomes a wonderful learning opportunity. And so uh, wherever the, a student's or a child's curiosity is, is um, recognizing that now as a learning opportunity, not necessarily having to make a lesson out of it, but letting students follow that um, and giving them some freedom to, to be curious in areas that are not necessarily related to what's coming home from, from the school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want to extend that a little further because it, um, from the um, BC Ministry of Education, um, the, 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 key, uh, the key focus uh, around uh, continuity of learning for curriculum has been literacy, numeracy, and what we call the core competencies. So core competencies are around these process skills we've always referred to as critical and creative thinking, problem solving, uh, social and personal responsibility, cultural identity. These types of um, skills are inherent in almost everything we do. And uh, the emphasis by our uh, Ministry of Education is that's what we're focusing on uh, as we continue with continuity of learning with our, our students remotely. So it's really important, as I mentioned earlier, to, to see the learning in all the everyday activities we do, especially things like these core competencies in that, um, okay, so we're, we're going, we've got a, 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 something we're gonna fix, something's broken, and how are we looking at this critically? How are we looking at creative solutions? How are we engaging in step-by-step -step proce processes? how we're communicating with each other, communicating with teachers, communicating with peers, uh, communicating between parent and child. All these things are helping that child move forward in, uh, in a learning sense as well. And those lists of competencies you talked about, it's, it's a reality that um, companies are looking for those too. And I think just recently, um, Google said, you know, we no longer require a university degree from, a, from a, a future employee, but we are looking for those exact skills. And so that's a significant thing to recognize that those, those competencies are things that um, not just encourage at school, but we wanna encourage them at home. And, and we know that those, you know, quote unquote soft skills are mm -hmm. skills that um, are going to be needed in the future. Mm -hmm. um, any other points on that? No, I just, uh... I know it's a little difficult thing to do, and I've talked about this with parents before, but we only know education as we knew it. Yeah. Uh, but a lot has happened in 30, 40 years for many of us. And, and, and to really go back to point number one around managing our expectations, really try not to see that education is being held to that standard that was 40 years ago, but that it, it, we have learned a lot and it looks a little different. Yeah. Uh, which segues nicely into uh, tip number five, set daily and weekly goals. Yeah, and this really connects actually with the schedule as well, right? So with the daily goals, you're around that setting that schedule, you're actually just setting really small goals during the day. So, so we're, as we're working through the day, but I guess we can more emphasize 
the, the weekly goals as well. And this is where probably teachers are focused with families is more on the weekly type goals. And, and um, a, a week, as you know, can go by very, very quickly <laughs> if, you're, if you're not getting out of your pajamas and, uh, and you get hooked into Netflix a bit. So uh, not only having that daily schedule with, with uh, daily goals, but also having something weekly that we can kind of uh, focus on. And, and this, again, isn't solely uh, focused on, on your learning goals. Maybe make an exercise goal. Uh, I just finished a, a great competition with, with Fitbit for a week-long step challenge. And boy, you know, it got us out walking, obviously socially distanced. Um, but, you know, between my brother and my daughter and myself, and it really motivated us to, to get out and do some walking and, and steps. And then we would communicate between days on how well we were doing. I mean, uh, we think of just human nature. Uh, goals, in, in, in a sense, actually drive us. Now, they have to be realistic. Um, obviously, and um, uh, you, you know, but at the same time, uh, it's a it's a good opportunity to challenge ourselves, make our make it fun, uh, and especially in in the state we're in in the world right now, we need that fun. We need those little challenges to to keep us motivated and keep us going. But I think weekly goals are are, are a really good idea. Yeah, fun aside, uh, a a buddy of mine just finished a thirty day challenge to. Um, plank the curve by doing planks and increasing up to five minutes. And so we were just on a Zoom call yesterday where a whole bunch of us were planking for five minutes. And then his, uh, um, his wife was actually uh, filming them live on Facebook and, and it became this big, huge community event. And so setting those fun goals, uh, uh, planning daily walks or something where you're getting outside and getting fresh air um, it, it builds in the, those opportunities for, um, for you to realize that, you know, uh, this might be an opportunity to do things you, you didn't have a chance to do, to take care of your health or, or do other things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really love this next point. Uh, it's one that I know that you've kind of been drilling to people for a lot, a lot and that is um, point number six, all screen time is not created equal. Yeah, and this goes back to a lot of our parent presentations. Probably the number one uh, question I get is how much screen time uh, is appropriate uh, as we go to bring your own device in schools, and well, as we're into uh, remote learning right now. You know, this is this is a, a real concern by parents: is how much screen time is enough? And and so to your point, I would argue that all screen time is not created equal. And and what I mean by that is you know, just consider your own screen time. So we, we spend time uh, surfing social media, uh, binging on uh, streaming videos, Netflix series, etc. But we also spend time creating presentations or podcasts like this one. And we're creating and constructing knowledge. Uh, our brains are engaged. Um, we're, we're thinking critically, like those core competency pieces that we, we, we talked about. And we're creating um, learning examples. Uh, and when we're, and that's a very active uh, learning, uh, a, a, an active learning piece. However, when we're doing the uh, former around surfing social media, 
whether we're uh, watching Netflix, etc., are it's a very passive activity. So it's really important that and and with that and with that passive activity, it it's not really uh, stimulating our brain to the level that when we construct and create. And and there's been a lot of studies on this and. And we see that that when we're we get in this veg mode, so to speak, when we're watching TV, um, our brain waves are very very flat. But when we're being creative and constructing knowledge, they're very very active. So it's really important that we don't summarize screen time uh, as only one thing, because there's so much more to screens in terms of interaction, creation, and and construction that we now have access to as opposed to what we only had in terms of one-way communication with the television. So it's really important to differentiate uh, whether that screen time is passive, which I would argue you want to limit the passive screen time, um, and then where it's very active, constructive, creative, etc. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, there, there's another one specific to to being um, uh, sort of quarantined at home uh, that I think is really important that the people need to recognize, uh, parents need to recognize, and that is uh, the just that idea of being social online and how important that is. Uh, before this happened, a lot of kids had sports where they got to go you know one practice one game a week and, and be with their uh with their friends they had dance they had gymnastics they had um just tons of opportunities to uh connect even go you know skateboarding with their friends uh so there were tons of opportunities where kids had opportunities to spend with other kids and so to be keenly aware now that um that social time has moved online and allowing time and space for that. And that doesn't mean that they get to use it nonstop, but to recognize that, you know, if you are, if you're having hard line uh, opportunities of, of taking away the digital to, to recognize that kids do need that interaction time. And I know that's something you talk a lot about in your presentations to parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th that's a really good point, Dave. Uh, you know, their whole social life has been turned upside down, much like ours. Um, now, as adults, we, we tend to spend a little more time <clears throat> with our partners or alone than what kids do. I mean, uh, uh, that's a huge part of their life. And because that's been turned upside down, I think we need to make allowances for them to connect as much as possible. Obviously, you know, making sure they're safe, making sure it's appropriate, all those pieces. But I would argue as well and agree with you that we need to relax the screen time uh, restrictions uh, at this time, uh, understanding that, 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 that students need to connect with each other. Um, it's a very, very um, big piece around the learning process and it ties into the core competencies I mentioned, uh, and as well, uh, even in, in extending their learning and engaging their learning. Because, you know, even us as adults, if we don't understand something and and you're, I know you're a big proponent of this, Dave, in terms of a professional learning community. We reach out to our community. We connect uh, uh, digitally in almost all cases, but sometimes face-to-face. -face. If we don't understand something, know something, need some resources for uh, something. So I think students are, 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 are sort of at the same, in, in the same place. 
most of their communication is going to be more on a social level, but it's, it's needed at that age as well. So I think you make a really good point about relaxing those uh, screen time limits a little bit, understanding that they're not connecting face to face uh, and they need that space as well. So that's a really good point. And our last point, number seven, uh, modeling learning. Yeah, so this almost ties everything all, all together uh, within our expectations and distractions and setting goals. Uh, you know, as, as parents, we often think, well, I don't understand the technology. I don't understand these, these pieces. And I don't even necessarily understand the learning. This math is too difficult for me. But I think simply modeling uh, learning within your home so you don't know something, so you want to look it up, um, to, uh, at, to I don't understand this, I'm going to ask questions. Uh, as you mentioned, Dave, if you don't understand something about an assignment that was given, well, let's ask the teacher a question. This is what I would do. Well, let's search online first, see if we can find some answers. And modeling that, that sort of energy and um, uh, inquiry-based perspective, sort of asking questions and and looking for answers and then um, being humble enough to, to reach out to others to ask those questions as well, I think is really important. And as well, I always, I always really found it uh, uh, fascinating. I, I remember some research that I, I read one time that uh, was identifying the success of young men in terms of their educational, uh, educational uh, successes and careers. And uh, one of the single most determiners for young boys around education and, and their success uh, uh, in their lives was whether their fathers read or not. And not even read to these boys as, as they were younger, but just simply read the paper and modeled that type of learning uh, and um, modeled those habits to their children. So whether it's competencies or character traits um, that you're constantly modeling or even learning uh, and reading, uh, reading books. Um, the way we model is the way, uh, and we're often unaware of this, it's the way our children see who we are and what's appropriate uh, and ways to pursue learning in the world. And it's, I think it's so important that we model these these things to our children. Yeah, I, I openly admit that I, I struggle at times with my phone being as big a distraction for me as I see it for my kids. And so it's hard for me when I'm not modeling, putting the phone down and, and giving that committed focused time to then expect my kids to do the same, right? And so if you're in a home environment where you let your phone constantly be a distraction to you while you work, but then you're telling your kid that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. That's, that's kind of hard to understand. But I love the point too, and, and going back to you know, asking the teacher and asking for help. And um, I, I've noticed uh, for students in the last few years, uh, a struggle with resiliency and hitting a roadblock or hitting that stump, it becomes this major frustration. And I think that's a really great place for parents to make sure they're not showing the same frustration and to, to say, okay, we have a problem here and actually say, what do you think? Or here's a suggestion for how we follow through with that and do it in a way that allows a child to see that, okay, when you hit a roadblock, here are some really good strategies 
not necessarily that you're listening, but that you're actually doing in order to uh, accomplish that. And I think that's really big. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I'm really glad you brought up the, the digital habits as well, because, you, you know, we, we again, we often think, oh, you know, our kids know more about technology than, than we do. And in a lot of cases, they do. Um, and it's usually around specific apps or, you know, uh, different types of skills with, in terms of technology. But, you know, it's the character pieces, the self-regulation pieces that we can model, um, the ethical pieces that we can model. Um, and, and it starts really with family dinners. You know, you know, we have a real simple rule in our home, no phones at the table and they go away. And it's probably the best time of our day because we're all engaging face-to-face, -face, we're having conversations, it's, um, it, it, it's supportive, it's positive, and it's away from that screen time. So we're modeling this effective communication. Um, and it's, it's, you know what, to be honest with you, it's often very, very well received by our teenagers in those mm -hmm. times because it's, it's almost like they're allowed to have a break. And I think with their social circles, they don't ever see themselves as being able to take that break. So anyway, I divert a little bit here. And so I think it's, we, we need to realize as adults, parents, educators, that we have a powerful, powerful role in how we're modeling uh, our screen time and, 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 and digital behavior, and as well as our, just our general uh, energy. Uh, as we're around them uh, and and our in our pursuit of learning, so um, I, I find that modeling is one of the most powerful things we can do to to support our students. Any final tips? Well, no, I you know I think this has been a pretty extensive list. This is uh, and, you know I don't want to make this overly extensive, but we're actually avoiding what we're actually trying to support here, right? Um, but I, I I think you know this. I think this, um, you know, remote learning and, and using educational technology tools to support student learning is, is something that is, is going to, is, as, is, is a huge, going to be a huge shift. And it's, it's kind of hit us hard. It hit us in a very sensitive and emotional time. Uh, but I think it's, it's a, an incredible opportunity to see the value of these tools. It gives us a little bit of a uh, insight into how learning can be a little different. And I, I think my greatest advice would be to, to take a growth and open mindset and to, to look at, wow, that's interesting. And not simply hold uh, the expectations that we've had since, we've, since we were in school, but to, to really see the possibilities. And that's whenever I do a workshop, I always ask people, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just trying to, to ask you to see the possibilities. And if you see the possibilities, then you can really look at it from a little more objective perspective and say, that's different and that looks interesting. Oh, and I see how that supports my child. Um, or this is interesting, but it, it I don't know, this is, um, I got to question this a little bit and it may not be uh, the best way to um, facilitate that learning in that particular situation. So not all tools are created equal in terms of educational technology either you know some work and some don't for certain situations some are good for certain levels of, of children and not others so um be open to looking at the look at the possibilities but also be really critically minded around does this work or doesn't work in this situation 
um, I guess that's that I finish off with that. Nice. And I, I want to add one more thing because my wife, Anna, is also an educator. And um, I asked her about these and she actually gave me one that we haven't mentioned. And that was really to make sure that when you are in, the, in that learning space to take brain breaks. Um, one, one suggestion she made is, you know, when your kid's working, cut up an apple or a cucumber or something that they like that's healthy so that they're not thinking about snacking, but they're actually eating healthy. And that helps with your goals about being more fit and, and modeling that is really important as well. So just to summarize, manage your expectations, um, make a schedule, minimize distractions, learning occurs everywhere, set daily and weekly goals, all screen time is not created equal, and make sure that you're modeling the learning. Dave, I wanna thank you very much for your time this uh, Sunday morning, and I look forward to future conversations with you. Dave Sands, you can find him on LinkedIn, and he is at DHSands on Twitter. Thanks so much for uh, joining me today. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's my pleasure.